0: Hello there, this is Heads and Tails, a podcast about cricket's pulsating present as well as its glorious past. I am Nitin Sundar and I am joined once again by my favourite partner in crime, Abhishek Chopra, also known as Chops, to make a quick summary look at the state of the game before getting into a special batmobile-shaped hovercraft that will take us not around the Narendra Modi Stadium in Ahmedabad, but into cricketing stories from the years gone by. Hello Chops, how have you been doing and are you keeping up with all the test match action unfolding this week?
1: Yeah, amazing, amazing cricket uh, which happened uh, in New Zealand and not so amazing cricket that happened in Ahmedabad. And yes, more than the test match, I think the, the shenanigans on day one, By the two PMs, uh, hogged the limelight in
0: uh, Ahmedabad. We asked for a test match that would last the distance. And we got more than that, what we bargained for. Over five days in Ahmedabad, only 21 wickets fell. In one of the sleepiest draws we have seen in recent times, Runs for Usman Khwaja and Cameroon Green, wickets for R. Ashwin and a fine return to 100-hitting form for Virat Kohli, who got a big one after a long time and a sparkling century from Shubman Gill as well. But the game ends in a draw as we expected it to uh, with wickets just not falling, period. Yep. India win the series 2-1, retain the Border Gavaskar Trophy. A fair result at the end of the day, Chops? Absolutely.
1: I think uh, the Australians... Would have wanted uh, it to be uh, a better result for them, but for that uh, hour of madness at uh, at Delhi. But yeah, I think two one is a is a fair result given how the two teams uh, shaped up during the course of the test series. I would still say that given uh, you know this was a home series, India would be disappointed at not winning at least one more test. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was it was fair at the end.
0: It was fair. I don't think they would have had a chance to force a result in this final test match. Maybe if they had batted first, uh, we could have had a different result here. And indoor was a bit of a gamble. Uh, and it backfired on India, that pitch. So 2-1 is what it is. R. Ashwin and Ravindra Jadeja sharing the Man of the Series award. Which probably seemed right. At the end of the day, the quality of India spinners probably just making that little bit of a difference to give them the series.
1: And not to forget, the third spinner who was uh, under throughout the series, Aksar Patel. Uh, Didn't have a great run with the ball uh, because he didn't get enough chances. But with the bat, he was truly amazing. Uh, One could even make a case that his runs were the most impactful uh, across both teams in this series. Great contributions from lower down the order. In this test too, uh, some brilliant six hitting to get India to the declaration stage. Uh, So yeah, I mean, uh, things looking well for India. And they'll have a very, very tough selection challenge in front of them as India and Australia will now go to the Oval to face uh, each other again in the WTC finals. That's the World Test Championship final, which India had lost last time to New Zealand. They're in the finals again and would be hoping to go one better this time.
0: They're in the finals and it's all thanks to New Zealand this time around, because New Zealand did the hard work by defeating Sri Lanka in A completely chalk and cheese version of test cricket. We had this most boring draw in Ahmedabad. At the same time, we had an incredible test match at Christchurch, which went down to the very last ball. And New Zealand managing to win pretty much by the skin of their teeth, I would say by a foot or so. Uh, Kane Williamson scoring the winning run, diving into his crease, making it just there in the nick of time. New Zealand winning by two wickets in the end. But I remember recalling when three balls left to go in that test match, Chops. Three balls left in the test, five runs to win for New Zealand, two wickets in hand, all four results possible. It doesn't happen so often. Cricket is the only sport, or test cricket, I would say, is the only sport where you can have four possible results. And it's always glorious when it comes down and becomes an actual possibility. And in New Zealand now, in the last two weeks, we've had two test matches that potentially could have ended in ties. Both times, Neil Wagner out in the middle, Uh, probably very close to becoming parts of history, but he'll be very happy that these test matches didn't end up in ties and New Zealand actually won those tests. So New Zealand's victory putting Sri Lanka out of the World Test Championship final and India going in their space, which is how uh, they'll face Australia now at the Oval. But before that, there are three one-dayers and that small tournament which some people call the Indian Premier League uh, before all (laughs) that happens. (laughs) And the uh,
1: difficult part is that uh, the World Test Championship final is going to happen very, very soon. After the IPL final, I mean, it'll it'll be uh, have to be seen how India managed to put out their best 11, all fit and firing
0: in that final at the Oval. But before we get into limited overs mode, we want to say... Uh, A temporary goodbye to Test Cricket by once again taking our time machine into the past. This week, we had India and Australia play out a fairly boring match. We had New Zealand and Sri Lanka nearly pulling off a tie. So we decided to go back in time to an India-Australia match that (laughs) actually ended in a tie. So we are going to 1986. We are going to Chennai and Choppernos, two years in the making. Choppernos was born in 1988. This Test match was in 1986. (laughs) But he was there with the time machine. Tell us, what do you see at Chepauk? Chops? Over to you.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a Test match that is very, very close to my heart. Uh, ever since I've gotten to know of it, uh, it's been something that, you know, I've been very, very, very fond of. So, this Australian team uh, came to Indian shores uh, with a very, very inexperienced set of players. Uh, they had a great record at Madras in tests, but uh, they were not uh, having a great run of uh, form coming into the series as a collective. India, on the other hand, was on a high uh, under the captaincy of Kapil Dev. They had won a Test series in England, which was uh, not not uh, you know something which happened very frequently. And so, uh, uh, two teams which met in this uh, Test were uh, you know very very contrasting ones. Chennai, as always, was unforgiving, especially for mm-hmm. a visiting site. The heat, the humidity, and most of all, the stench from the nearby Buckingham <laughs> Canal. Which yeah. uh, in in North India, in my part of the country, they call it a nala, nothing more yeah. than that. And uh, yeah. all of it really, all of it really added to the elements of this chess match <laughs> and made it one to remember.
0: I fully agree. I grew up in Chennai. The Buckingham Canal is such a romantic name for what is essentially an open um, drainage yard, I would say. Uh, and to this day, that that canal, uh, that abomination, continues to stink up the Chepauk Stadium. Uh, in 1986, the stands were closed, so the sea breeze notoriously could not get into the stadium, making it more of a cauldron. They have now opened out the stands, so you have spaces for the stench to come in even more strongly. And Bob Simpson talks about this stench uh, when he when he uh, recollects this test match. We say a great test match is a pulsating game, it's a humdinger, but this Chennai test match was a pulse-sweating game, it was a humid inger. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, yes, on day one, Australia won the toss, batted first, uh, basically not wanting to bat fourth on a pitch in India that could go anywhere as we have learned so very often. David Boone was this short, chunky, uh, right-handed opener who scored a very, very comfortable century. The guy at the other hand who uh, went uh, great guns was this guy called Dean Jones, a very young Victorian, uh, very, very initial stages of his test career. Who had been uh, told by the captain Alan Border to bat at number three, which was, you know, this iconic position in uh, Australian test cricket history. And they say that Border himself was being egged on by the press and by everyone who followed cricket in Australia to bat at that number three position. He didn't want to bat there. And so perhaps in a sacrificial move, he made uh, Dean Jones go to number three. And uh, Dean Jones also reposed the faith with a very fine half century. And Australia ended uh, day one on 211 for two.
0: Lots of easy runs there for Australia. N- uh, helped in great measure by Chetan Sharma trying to bounce out these batsmen on one of the flattest pitches ever. Yeah. Chetan Sharma famously showing poor selection skills way before he actually became a selector. by selecting to bowl short balls.
1: And, uh, you know, there's this great, great book that everyone should read. Uh, this is by a guy, an Australian guy called Mike Coward. It's called Cricket Beyond the Bazaar. Very, very amazing book about uh, Australia in India during that period. And he mentions how all the Australians were suspicious of Chetan Sharma's action. They thought he (laughs) chugged and they never raised a complaint because they knew he was going to give away easy runs. It was that bad. (laughs) And the thing was that we'll obviously hear a lot about umpires in this test match. On day one itself, one of them, Uh, a Parsi going by the name of Daru Dotiwala made a special appearance. He asked Dean Jones to actually change his shoes. The spiked shoes that Dean Jones was wearing, uh, Daru Dotiwala thought that they were uh, harming the pitch, lacerating the pitch. And so he asked him to wear uh, those dimpled shoes, which, let's say, (laughs) tennis players wear on the Wimbledon turf. And in something which was very reminiscent of how things have gone in the IPL in recent times, the Australian manager, Bob Simpson, who was also involved in the tight test, the first tight test in 1960-61, actually came onto the ground on day one of this test to tell umpire Dotiwala that he had no business telling an uh, uh, Australian cricketer to change his footwear. <laughs> uh,
0: Freudian slipped their Chops. You called him Daru Dotiwala, probably because of the decisions he was making on the field, but he's actually Dara Dotiwala oh, and sure. not Daru Dotiwala. <laughs> we'll keep that in the edit, okay. of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we
1: go to day two. Uh, Dean Jones, uh, entering his 80s, had already started to lose some control over his bodily functions, started vomiting violently, but somehow was able to regain his composure, finally reached his century, his health was getting worse and worse. But he was very happy to see his skipper, uh, Alan Border, at the other end. Uh, Gavaskar, Kapil, they've all expressed their concerns for him, they gave him a few suggestions. Nimbu Pani, this that mm-hmm. whatever, but he was he was somehow still continuing to survive, uh, yeah. you know, even with all the control lost, uh, you know, in his bodily functions. He was still managing to bat quite well uh, during the 170s, Finally, he wanted to retire hurt, and yeah. he mentioned uh, that to Alan Border, and Alan Border played the game of mental disintegration on one <laughs> his own. He basically told uh, Dean Jones that if. Uh, Gene Jones, a weak Victorian, couldn't do it. Yeah.
0: In the
1: next test, he's going to call uh, Queenslander Greg Ritchie yeah. to do the job. <laughs>
0: in, and in fact, that... what he said what he said was, uh, yes, sure, you can go back in, but when you do, ask them to send the Queenslander back out, because that's who we need out here. And that <laughs> did the job. Like you said, men- mental disintegration, except Dino was already disintegrating physically. He didn't need mental disintegration on top. But this did the trick, and it kept Dino <laughs> batting on, while unbeknownst to him and to Alan Border, he was in seriously bad health at that stage yeah. and and Maninder Singh says uh, Maninder Singh was uh, part of the Indian bowling attack he says that he enjoyed bowling to Dean Jones though Jones was hitting him for boundaries and sixes and he says between hitting him for boundaries Jones would go to square leg puke come back and hit him for more boundaries <laughs> <laughs> and Maninder was trying to flight and get him out and it wasn't working out but he but he enjoyed it this almost feels like a, a scene out of Hunger Games or Squid Games for cricket like, imagine a batsman uh, going out and puking between every single ball.
1: And and the thing was that at some stage during this knock, and this is something that even Dean Jones doesn't remember because he doesn't remember a lot of this innings. But at some stage during his <laughs> innings, after hitting a four, he went up to Maninder Singh and in a very classic English slash Australian way, uh, asked Maninder, how do you like them apples now? And <laughs> we'll come back to this. <laughs> in yeah. the second innings of Australia... But that is something that happened between Maninder and uh, yeah. and Dean Jones. And Maninder was this fantastic left-arm spinner. Obviously, didn't do too well for India. But to watch him in his prime was quite something with the action that he had. And so, yeah. a fierce battle that the two of them waged. Uh, finally, T came around. Uh, Dean Jones, by this time, was uh, already past his double hundred. And he was in such a bad state that he was... Neither able to undress himself in the dressing room and nor able to get up and dress himself up again, and the Australian backroom staff actually had to do all of that for him. And when they set him out, they sent him out without a protector and without a thigh pad. (laughs) It became that um, you know crazy in the Australian dressing room.
0: And and Alan Border takes credit for all the uh, the legend status that Dean Jones got for his double hundred because he's saying if I'd let him retire out, then nobody would have associated Dean Jones' name as fondly yeah. as they do with this great tight test match. So, yeah, there absolutely. you
1: go. Finally, he got out on 210 and again, I go back to Cricket Beyond the Bazaar where Mike Coward describes the journey of Dean Jones from the Australian dressing room to the Apollo Hospital yeah. uh, for intravenous fluids. I, I mean, that, that passage is, is like a... <laughs> It's like a scene out of some fantastic chase sequence in, yeah. in a Hindi film or perhaps even a, a English film. But the only difference is that it was just Dean Jones lying around in an ambulance. And then there were five or six doctors clamoring for his attention, not helping yeah. the cause at all.
0: In fact, uh, Dean Jones uh, talks about this. The late Dean Jones spoke about this later. He says he's astounded by the speed at which the ambulance took him to the hospital. So they almost created a corridor. Uh, for his uh, safe and quick passage to the hospital and when he got there uh, there was this other guy who had been hit by a bus apparently and there were a bunch of doctors on attending to that person right taking care of him the moment dean jones is wheeled in somebody says hey Australian cricketer jones is here and all those <laughs> doctors drop that other guy who's been hit by the bus and start attending to dean jones and this is one nurse who's continuing to attend to that poor person who was hit by a bus tapping him and saying, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> All the attention diverted towards Dino. But Absolutely. he apparently, it took him six months to entirely recover. He lost about seven kilos in one yeah. day yeah. and he was dangerously low on salts and fluids and and required a drip and I know, I don't yeah. know what else to get him back on his feet. But he came back, he came back to the test match later.
1: Australia declared on day three at 574 for seven. Shivlal Yadav, he took a well-deserved for, And Greg Matthews, the Australian off-spinner, again, the umpires were into the thick of things. He was warned during batting itself for running on the pitch. Uh-huh. And again, the Australians obviously didn't uh, think of it very highly. But the Australians uh, were making quick inroads into the Indian batting attack very, very soon after declaring their innings closed. India, by the end of day three, was already reduced to 270 for seven and yeah. were very, very clearly staring at a follow-on and perhaps even an innings defeat. And again, Dhotiwala was uh, you know doing his thing. He had given warnings to this beam pole left arm seamer that Australia had called oh, Bruce eight. Reed for running yeah. on the pitch. And there was some confusion about the number of warnings given. <laughs> if you have three warnings, then you can't bowl in the test match. And at one point, the Australian captain, Alan Border and Dotiwala were actually fighting about how many warnings had already been given. And one of those warnings was actually given by Dotiwala when he was not even standing behind the bowler's arm. He was oh. at square leg and he gave a warning. <laughs>
0: Imagine this conversation. I'm warning you for the last time. No, you mean the penultimate time. You will give me a last warning <laughs> after this. But Absolutely. yeah, the umpire is very much in the thick of action uh, as it transpired. India 7 down, staring down the, the barrel, uh, so, so to speak. Who do they yeah. call? Kapil Day. As always, the captain of India comes back to the dressing room and he is livid with the top order who have thrown <laughs> away their wickets playing yeah. one-day shots, limited over shots. Sunil Gavaskar recounts the story couple uh, day was livid. He said, you shouldn't be hitting the ball in the air, this and that. The next day, couple Dev goes out to take strike. Steve was the bowler. First three balls, couple goes up in the air. Every <laughs> ball leads to the boundary, airy shots. But it was just couple's ability to bat when it was required and get the runs. A fine, yeah. fine hundred. And he saves the ball on. Uh, yes,
1: absolutely. India end up with 397 all out. And they have a run rate of more than four which obviously saved some very, very crucial time in the test match, which came in handy at the end. Greg Matthews, uh, the the very, very uh, mad Australian uh, off-spinner, actually picked up a Pfeiffer. Went on to do great things in the second innings as well. But the thing about him was that for most of this test match, he was bowling in a cap in yeah. the Chennai summer. The Australian cap, the baggy green, is obviously a thick cap. He was using that and... To add to that, he kept complaining to the 12th men about the cold in Chennai in September. (laughs) And he was wearing jumpers. Yeah, And he was wearing jumpers for most of this test match. So, yeah, truly wacky guy. And I mean, obviously did uh, very well for Australia in this test.
0: And Steve Waugh has a theory. Apparently, Greg Matthews said that was his theory, why he was wearing a sweater. It was to keep the cold air... Uh, inside and uh, not let it escape apparently. So, the exact reverse of what a sweater should be used for. But he was wearing two of them. And uh, do you remember who who
1: did this again in India?
0: I don't, to be honest.
1: Shoaib Akhtar actually did uh-huh. this. He wore uh, his sweater in, I think, the Asian Test Championship uh, match at Kolkata in 1999 or 2000. It might
0: have been cold there. Was he the only person though in a sweater?
1: Yeah, he was absolutely the only person doing it yeah, so,
0: mavericks. yeah. <laughs> mavericks truly mavericks so australia comes back to bat in the second innings and uh, it's declaration batting time they they put on uh, they put on a reasonable score and set yes. a target for india yeah
1: yes uh, so australia reach uh, 170 for 5 at end of day 4 uh, very strange innings, actually. Uh, in the first innings, they went for uh, went at 3.3 uh, runs per hour. In this one, they went for uh, 3.4 runs per hour. So not exactly declaration batting. But the one noticeable thing was the pitch was deteriorating badly. And at one point, one ball from one of the spinners actually hit the Indian keeper Kiran More very badly. So much so that he had to uh, depute the wicket-keeping gloves to another guy, Chandrakhan Pandit. And so perhaps Alan Border got an idea from there about how much the pitch would deteriorate. And during the course of the night, he and Simpson would have had some discussions. And very rarely it happens that a team declares twice in a test. But here again, Australia declared overnight. Their total lead was 347, which meant that India needed 348 runs to win. And on the final day, you had 87 overs, including the 20 overs in the final hour which meant that India were required to bat at exactly four runs per over.
0: For me, the most amazing thing about this test match is that India actually went for it. Yes. And there was never a doubt whether they would go for it. Kapil Dev talks about this. I'm the sort of player, and the sort of captain who would always go for a target. So India just went for it. And then those yeah. days... I'm I'm surprised even now, uh, it, it did help that they got the perfect platform from their openers yes. in the second innings, but everyone had, had the aggressive attacking mindset to go after yes. this target. Yeah. Absolutely. But before we go to the Indian uh, chase in the fourth
1: innings of this test, we have to go back to the Dean Jones-Maninder story. In the <laughs> second innings, Maninder actually ended up dismissing Dean Jones and celebrating with his teammates, etc. And Dean Jones by then was... 30-40 like yards away from the center of the pitch, making his way to the dressing room. Maninder finally remembers something, goes running all the way to Dean Jones and asks him the same question, how do you like the Mapples now? <laughs> and Dean Jones has no idea what he's talking about. Dean Jones has remember. obviously forgotten. <laughs> Amazing, amazing test match so far, only going to get more amazing on day five. Uh, the Australian fitness was actually coming to the fore, barring a couple of cases, uh, Dean Jones, Ray Bright, we have mentioned, but their trainer had actually said no to alcohol and strangely enough, Chinese food during and before the <laughs> test. And somehow they thought that that was really instrumental in them, you know, being able to last the distance in this test. Srikanth and Gavaskar came out to open for India, Srikanth, you know, uh, uh, as was his wont, going off in grand style, 39 very quick runs before he got yeah. out to a brilliant catch.
0: So, Australia start chipping away then, uh, while India keep going for the runs. Absolutely. Uh, the Gavaskar
1: day. and Amarnath had a brilliant partnership. Gavaskar in particular, 90 absolutely brilliant runs. Those who uh, watched him play still swear by that innings, uh, call it one of his best ever. He puts down a great platform for India uh, to go for the chase uh, and make the final assault. And there's this
0: there's this one particular cover drive that Gavaskar plays, which I think has been spoken about a lot of uh, Craig McDermott, yes. one of the loveliest shots I've seen of Gavaskar. We have obviously didn't have the fortune of watching Gavaskar live, but uh, watching his footage, this was just a glorious shot. Do check it out on YouTube. Is this the one with the bended knee? Yes, he goes down on a bent knee and he literally just clicks his elbows and the ball just flies through cover. It's a beautiful shot. And the typical diminutive Gavaskar driver, it's extremely safe shot, but still so perfectly grooved, goes into the gap. And yeah, there's no fielding yeah. it once he plays that.
1: So Bhaiti, India are 193 for 2 from 57 overs, needed 155 at a little over 5 runs per over. Uh, By this time, Border is already very, very worried. He has declared twice in this test and the pitch is not showing any signs of further deterioration. And India are going for it. Uh, The situation is also getting heated up. The Chennai heat is getting to everyone. There's a lot of sledging going on. Uh, There's Tim Zorer, the very, very feisty Australian wicketkeeper who's doing all sorts of things. Greg Matthews is riling people up.
0: Greg and- Matthews, there is this video of Greg Matthews riling up people in the stands, right? Absolutely. And he's he's dancing and gesticulating and jumping. It's a mix of Robin Atkinson, Charlie Chaplin and Billy Burden all rolled into one. He suddenly shows his backside to the crowd, right? He's, he's just egging them on. And Absolutely. in the same ground, in the famous 99 test match, I remember Salim Malik doing exactly the same to the Chennai crowd. Uh, and this was on the last day when I think before the tendulkar Mungia partnership happened. So, uh, so that ground has history of away cricketers coming and you know trying to get the ground uh, against the home team because it, it is a very vocal and like they say a knowledgeable <laughs> Chennai crowd. After all,
1: yeah, this. absolutely. By the time the final twenty overs came around, India had seven wickets in hand, needed one hundred nineteen runs. Still very very doable. Azar got out he was not in his uh, you know best of his rhythm at all still got 42 runs but uh, at a pace which was much lower than would have been ideal for the indian chase kapil couldn't repeat his first innings uh, heroic single digit score for him uh, and shastri then recounts how he when he came to the ground at the fall of kapil dev's wicket kapil was entering the dressing room from one side yeah. of the side screen and Ravi Shastri decides to go from the other mm-hmm. side of the side screen. As the vice captain, he didn't want any instruction from the captain yeah. about how the chase is to be structured, at what stage yeah. you can't go for uh, you know yeah. the runs anymore and you have to you know uh, draw the curtains, etc. He was very clear he was going to go for it. And so he uh, avoided Kapil Dev in, uh, in that manner really going to the other side of
0: the uh, side screen yeah and not only that he comes out and hits his first ball for four steps Absolutely. out of the crease hits his first ball for four and then we had uh, chandrikant pandit
1: and chetan sharma both played very very good hands uh, things got particularly bad between uh, tim zorer <laughs> and chetan sharma at one stage after some some random appeal uh, zorer uh, had something very very nasty to say to chetan sharma and chetan sharma uh, tell Zorer what's he going to do uh, to uh, Zorer with the bat handle. Uh, <laughs> makes makes an action to that effect. And yeah. Zorer then uh, promptly displays his backside to Chetan Sharma. <laughs> and okay. asks him to oblige. So yeah, I mean, if it would have happened in today's day and age, you would have promptly seen players getting demerit points and suspensions and all of yeah. that. In those days, it was all okay. Nobody batted an eyelid. And both the umpires had bigger uh, impacts to make in this test and <laughs> yeah. they were not focused on anything at all yeah. of this nature.
0: And then Pandit gets out uh, and Greg Matthews, who has not only bowled 30 overs on this day, but has also jumped up and down about 150 times, half the time in <laughs> appeal, half the time to irritate the crowd or or the batsmen or uh, half the time celebrating his wickets. So, he starts jumping up and down. He jumps across the pitch, unlike on earlier in the test match where he ran across the pitch. This time, he was jumping across. Uh, and he starts uh, mouthing off uh, at uh, Chandrakhan Pandit. Zohar yeah. seems to be trying to calm him down, right? Yeah. And, and Matthews refused to get calm. Uh, and he goes after Pandit, and, and suddenly, in the next frame, he has his arm on Pandit's shoulder and it looks like he's sympathizing with him. So, you have absolutely no idea what is going on between these players. The heat has gotten to everyone, they're all wilting, and the test match is heading towards an incredible finish. And in all of this, umpire Dotiwala,
1: not to be forgotten, is back in it again. He's now <laughs> accusing the Australians of slow play, uh, basically he's saying you're uh, yeah. taking too long to bowl your overs. And there's literal finger wagging that happens between Border and him. And at one stage, he actually asked Border to go off the field. And Border <laughs> is like, you can't do that. So uh, the umpires were not to be left behind at all. Uh, Shivlal Yadav, that comes in, plays a few uh, lusty strokes, gets out for eight. Ravi Shastri, meanwhile, is going great guns. He's shepherding the chase brilliantly. He's goading the crowd to cheer louder for India. He's doing some sledging himself. And finally, it comes down to the scores being leveled. There are three balls to go in the test match. And the man on the strike is Maninder Singh.
0: Shastri yeah. takes the single when uh, you would expect him to maybe retain strike. He had already taken a two, I think, to mid-wicket. And it was a very calculated move because uh, it is the moment when Australia realized they cannot win this test match anymore because yeah. the scores are level. Uh, so, it's an interesting throw of the die. You have exposed your number 11. Uh, three balls to go. Maninder needs to get a single now.
1: Absolutely. And and Shastri mentions again and again in all the interviews that he truly believed Maninder could do it. And yeah, he continues to say this to this day that he wasn't proven wrong because of what happened <laughs> next. So the fourth ball is defended solidly for no run. Solidly perhaps being a bit of an ex- exaggeration. And then on the fifth ball uh, before Craig Matthews has even bowled the ball, Vikram Raju <laughs> The other umpire who has been missing in action all this (laughs) while, you haven't even heard his name from us. His finger is probably already out of his uh, coat pocket. And as soon as the ball hits Maninder somewhere in the vicinity of his pads, (laughs) after bat or pad or the two of them together, nobody knows to this day. Before the appeal is even properly begun, Vikram Raju's uh, index finger, right hand index finger is up in the air. It's not just
0: up in the air; it's touching the skies. He's literally standing on his toes, and his <laughs> finger is all the way up there. There is no doubt as to what he's signaling. He has uh, he has triggered the batsman, and he signaled the end of the test. If you look at the replay of this ball, there is very decent but grainy footage of this available on YouTube. So Vikram Raju was one of those umpires who crouches behind the stumps, right? And he's looking forward, like a almost like a wicket keeper, but he's not crouching all the way down. He's crouching and looking ahead. And Greg Matthews is bowling kind of stump to stump here. So he's coming close to the stumps and releasing the ball. And as he's releasing the ball, you can actually notice Vikram Rajus <laughs> tilting his head to the side so that he can continue to get a clear view of yeah. the batsman's end, right? And then the ball is bowled. Forget whether there was an inside edge or not. Um, opinion is divided. Shastri uh, is convinced there was an inside edge. Maninder says there was an inside edge. Alan Border also says maybe there was an inside edge. But forget all of that. <laughs> It doesn't look like uh, you know. Uh, it doesn't look like the impact was in line with off-stump either. Maninder seems to be well outside off-stump. He's almost walking <laughs> outside of off-stump yeah. when ball makes impact with whatever it makes impact with. So that was potentially not out at multiple levels. But like you said, none of this mattered because the finger was up long before any of this <laughs> happened. Absolutely. And, and
1: I mean, it's that last frame as you mentioned is amazing because. Shastri convinced that it's an inside edge has his hand up in the air. He knows yeah. there's one more ball left. Yeah. Uh, and so he's saying, just stay where you stay are. Stay on strike. We'll yeah. take a single of the last ball. And on the other hand, border I think who was fielding at silly point. Yeah. He's, he's no longer bothered about. He's no longer bothered about yeah. the dismissal. he He's good yeah. enough to field the ball. Yeah. And he was some, trying
0: to stop the single exactly. And yeah.
1: some Australians are appealing. Some are appealing. The
0: finger is up. Greg Matthews jumps three or four times once again in great glee. Dean Jones runs away in a test match that will forever be remembered as his test match. Uh, And he says, uh, as he was running off, there are two scoreboards at the old chapeau ground. One scoreboard says the scores are tied. The other scoreboard says Australia won the game by one run. And he doesn't know. He apparently runs towards Bob Simpson and he asks him, what happened? Did we win? Was it a tie? (laughs) And Bob Simpson... Not angry or sad about the fact that Australia have not won this test. Says, it's a tie. And I've been at both the ties. That's the first yes. thing he had to tell his first innings hero. A great test at a great end. But the only thing it lacked for me was Ravi Shastri's commentary. <laughs> uh, because it could not have had Ravi Shastri's commentary. But Shastri talks about the finish, right? Yeah. And he says, moment it happened, he was so flustered. He was so angry with the umpire. He was livid. He walked into the umpire's quarters after play. And he says... Uh, Uh, This is what umpire Vikram Raju had to say. It is the right decision and I'm glad to be a part of history. And Shastri says, I looked at him and said, you freaking beauty. (laughs) (laughs) And Shastri Shastri also admits that if he had pulled off that stunt in the current day, he would have probably been suspended for a couple of games. But this was that sort of a finish where the lines between umpires and players blurred. And everything was okay. Vikram Raju, to this date, I don't know if he's still around, but uh, I mean, for, for very long, he, he continued to say that it was the right decision. He was convinced that bat was nowhere near bat and that he was hit in line. they have had some very interesting stuff to say. The Indian captain, after this match was over, right? On turning track on fifth day, ball is turning left to <laughs> right and right to left. And suddenly, his finger come out. <laughs> Kapil <laughs> has to say about Vikram Raju's amazing decision. Said, I still feel we should have won that match. The tie is there. People do talk about history, but history is when you win the test match as well. <laughs> Kapil was, in his own way, uh, registering his, his anguish at, at what he feels was a historic moment. I think at the end of the day, everyone, you know, so so yeah. far removed from, from the event, everyone is happy to have been part of history. We are only talking about this test because it ended in a tie. Uh, but yeah, the players are always going to also remember how close they were to a, yeah. a slightly different result.
1: There's another person we need to mention uh, without whom uh, this uh, recalling this test match would not be complete. Uh, would you remember who clicked the picture, the final picture that became the defining image of this test? I have no idea. There was this uh, very amateur young female photographer called Mala Mukherjee, who oh. is not even who's not even you know a cricket or a sports photographer in general. She was just at the ground as a guest of M H Dambhram himself, the man after whom the stadium is named, and she was just clicking pictures as an amateur with her camera her film role got over. I mean, this is not the day and age when you can click a million pictures with your uh, mobile phone. Her film got over and she actually borrowed a a role of film from a Doordarshan photographer who was one of the official photographers. And she was seated right next to the press box. Since she was not an official press member, she was not in the press box and uh, you know she was seated just outside. And as the test match came to a close... What happened back in the day was all the official photographers came down to the ground because they wanted to capture the last bits of the test and the post-match presentation ceremony, etc. So their vantage point had to change completely. Mala Mukherjee couldn't do any of that. So she stayed where she was and clicked this iconic image. And she says that she had met N. Ram of the Hindu group uh, earlier during the day. He was also in the same area. And as soon as he learned that Mala had this picture, she reaches her home. Enram comes calling, gives her a uh, uh, handsome payment, takes the picture. 500 rupees,
0: I'm guessing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> takes the film role for her. And next day, it's uh, you know, becomes the a part, part of, history. of the Hindu, becomes yeah. a part of history, and then um, promptly returns the negatives to her. But obviously, nice. <laughs> the image is already there for everyone to see. So that's been us on Episode 7 of Heads and Tails. We didn't get great action this week from the India-Australia test at Ahmedabad. And so we went back into our time machine to recount one of the most famous India-Australia tests, the Tide test at Chennai in 1986. Uh, we, We love doing this podcast. We love going back into history with these little anecdotes that we have. And we would love for you to tell us which test match you want us to talk about in the future or even a One Day International or even a T20. We look forward to hearing from you. Keep spreading the love about this podcast. Keep telling your friends about it. And we would be more than happy to have your company on the next episode. Till then, from me, Abhishek Chopra, it's goodbye. And it's goodbye from my co-host,
0: Nitin. Thank you so much, Chops. Look forward to being on this time machine again uh, next week at a different time. But we'll meet up at a different time Until then, keep listening to Heads & Tears.
1: You were listening to Heads & Tails. Hosted by Abhishek Chopra and Nitin Sundar. Produced by Audiomatic. Producers for Audiomatic, Rajesh Tahil and Avdood Khanulkar. Assistant Producer, Pia